This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mama told me, son, go and play in the yard. Papa said, go and play. You gotta break your stomach. Go and scream real hard. And welcome to it. Welcome to Inside the Yard. Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold after a thrilling weekend of baseball at the ballpark. A clean sweep of the Tampa Bay Rays. And now a peculiar week of baseball begins, such as life here in 2020. But Jeff, let's get to it. I just had so much fun. One calling games to do this weekend on the radio. But uh, just the, the excitement of the games. It was high drama every night going back to the Yankees series. And really fun brand of baseball the Orioles are playing right now. It was exciting to watch. I really enjoyed watching Wade LeBlanc and Tommy Malone pitch because we talked about this, but I'm a big believer that you don't need to throw 100 miles an hour to get hitters out. And sometimes when you try and have guys out there that strike everybody out, not only do they not do that, but they also walk too many and they make a lot of simple mistakes that opponents can hit. You just you don't see a whole lot of these soft-tossing lefties in the Rays history recently at least is that they don't do well against soft-tossing lefties. And so you had Malone and LeBlanc getting guys in the rocking chair. Brian Roberts, when we talked to him on our Insider segment, he's going to go into that about how difficult it was to time each of those guys up. And they were really, really good over the course of the weekend. They played a role in the success. I love watching Hanser Alberta go up there and hit. And then after he does something good, the song that plays as soon as he gets on base, uh, it's, it's always been fun to – Listen to that and, and watch his success so far. And Rio Ruiz keeps driving the ball. Between all those things and the way Cole Stolzer bounced back, there's a lot of positives uh, coming out of this past week. Yeah, a lot of fun storylines. There's an energy with this team right now. And Brandon Hyde said it all weekend. They're playing for each other. Uh, they're, and I just love this quote so much, that these are 30 rejects in some ways. These are 30 guys who someone else in baseball said you're not good enough. And we kind of saw that in 2012 here. Even a lot of those guys were, were first-round picks and, and highly regarded. But you take out the Marcakises and the Weeders uh, in that group. There were a lot of guys who someone along the line said, you know what, you're, you're not really uh, good enough to be here. So that can give you an edge. And I just kind of like – and this is more extreme than that with this group. But I, I just kind of like the vibe and the energy, and I'm going to enjoy it as long as it lasts. But uh, we have a couple of really insightful uh, Orioles broadcasters and former Orioles to talk to today, including Mike Bordick and Brian Roberts. Let's get to it. Let's start with Bordy here on Inside the Yard. And joining us right now, Orioles Hall of Famer and Masson broadcaster, and someone, and I looked it up, who's playing the second most games at shortstop in the history of Oriole Park at Camden Yards after 29 seasons. More than Cal Ripken Jr. there, the one and only Mike Bordick. Bordy, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, Brett. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Let's first talk about the new extra inning rules. And Jeff has seen it before, calling a lot of minor league games. Um, I didn't know what to expect. And yes, the Orioles won. But what I 
really enjoyed about it, it took me right to the edge of my seat immediately. It puts you right in the middle of a high-octane baseball moment with a runner at second base and the game on the line. There's so much strategy. You're thinking, all right, what are they going to do offensively? Can your guy bunt? Uh, what defensive player are they going to put on? It's all right there, and it puts you right in the middle of it. Yeah, we saw a couple different situations as well uh, when they started an extra innings a couple nights ago with uh, Choi starting as the leadoff runner for Tampa at second base and and them choosing to be extra aggressive offensively and Choi getting thrown out. So not only are you seeing it from a defensive standpoint, a pitching standpoint, the offensively, how they're going to push the envelope running. Yeah, it is really interesting and intriguing. I'm not a big fan at all, though, of Actually, putting a runner at second base sounds too much like the backyard uh, wiffle ball game, you know. So tell me this. I think it can be just as intriguing if you say, okay, we're going to have a tie in baseball. You're protecting the pitchers. They don't have to throw extra innings. And the seventh, eighth, ninth become that situational type of baseball that I think we're all kind of hoping to see because, yeah, I think we're all excited about watching guys hit behind runners now, possibly putting a bunt down and situational baseball being back in it. Well, why couldn't the same kind of thing hold true in just a, a game that ends after nine innings if they're that concerned about, you know, these limits? That's just your Northeast uh, hockey talk uh, coming out of you right now, Bordy. I'm principally like against that. that. <laughs> well, I mean, I've heard I've heard ties after twelve. That's that's something that I've heard a, a lot of people like throw around. They're like ties after twelve or ties after eleven, something like that. I don't think there's there'd be anything wrong with doing that. But that's just me. That's just me. Um, Bordy, as far as like some of these different rules, like seven inning doubleheaders is what we're seeing right now. I think we all think that the designated hitter is something that's here to stay in the American League and the National League. But in terms of some of these different experiments for this year. How many do you think are going to have staying power when we go back to normal, hopefully in 2021? Yeah, I think the DH is is here to stay in both leagues. You know, ultimately what it seems like it's coming down to, uh, the players are getting <clears throat> these monster contracts and, and these new rules are all kind of put in to protect them uh, so that, you know, the owners aren't stuck with an injured player. Um, you know, so they're trying to keep these guys safe, out of harm's way, it seems like in every possible way. Is that right or wrong? Who's to say, uh, you know, I'm still kind of hung up on the you can't break up a double play because an infielder turned his back on a base runner sliding in. And because he got hurt because he did the wrong thing on the field, everybody gets penalized, you know, by this rule. And I'm not saying we're penalized by it. I think ultimately the game has to change, try to evolve. But if you think about what is the heart and soul of baseball, it's runs and run prevention. You know, breaking up a double play is as important as trying to score another run as any other part of baseball. Running over a catcher that's blocking home plate where the run is, is part of it. And you teach guys through player development how to get out of the way of a guy sliding into a base, how to handle a collision at home plate. Listen, guys got run over a lot worse back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know, than they did in the early 2000s. And, and uh, you know, they just learned how to handle the blow. So I think that part of the game is a little frustrating to me. I do appreciate the evolving part of it. And I think this year is fun in the sense that it is. This is all an experiment. Every day is an experiment. So, yeah, let's try it. 
does it appeal to the fan base is probably the most important thing. Does it appeal to a guy like me that played the, you know, and guys that like the pure true nature of the, of the game of baseball? Not so much, but I understand that things have to evolve and our fan base is crucial right now. If we want to see baseball over the next 50 years. Gordy, I got home last night from the park and I got a bunch of text messages from just friends and, and Baltimoreans asking, is this real? Can I, can I get into this right now? How much longer is this going to last? But I think through this weekend, the Orioles caught the attention of some fans and they're playing well and they've earned it and they've found a way to win, you know, five games as opposed to, you know, three losses. Uh, but when, when do you think fans can say, this is getting kind of interesting? Well, they should say it's pretty interesting right now because I think the Orioles are kind of hanging their hat on player development in a lot of regards. And I think there are teams in Major League Baseball right now that you can tell prepared properly. And I'm talking from spring training to the three-month layoff and then summer camp. Everything combined. Brandon Hyde had a message in spring training. You know, you guys, uh, it was so enjoyable to watch guys get their opportunities last year. We've got to take it up a level. Okay, so much for trying to prove yourself. It's staying power now. It's learning how to win at the major league level and doing things the right way, period. So that was stuck in their head from day one. But the communication, you know, that the coaching staff, the front office, the medical team especially had with the players over this extended period of time and how they prepared them in summer camp, it stands out to me because they're playing clean, solid baseball. Pitchers are right at the on the plate I mean they're not walking guys they're doing things they they had a hard time doing all of last year right coming out of games with no walks the offense is using the whole field we still have power but we're hitting behind runners we've seen some bunts the stealing of bases taking advantage of these opportunities that every night teams give you and the Orioles are capitalizing on that right now they are playing better than their opponents they outplayed the Tampa Rays in every aspect of the game. Yeah, another great series for Hanser Alberto and that. How does he keep it going from uh, what he's started off with? Listen, he, he is just the consummate pro as far as consistency, right? I, I think what they're hoping is he, he can hit. He, he's going to hit it. He hit at every level. He proved that with the Rangers. He's obviously proving that with us. It's I think ultimately they'd love to see him increase his range at second base. Um, and, and I've been watching him. His pre-pitch is much better on time. He's catching everything that's hit to him. And I think that's really all you can ask. I think he's, the, he's a very solid pro, a great hitter that has that sneaky pop. He said it. He says, I'm looking for mistakes up in the zone. I'm getting them, and I'm not missing them, man. And he's hit a couple home runs, so he'll surprise you there. But he's so frustrating because – when he gets to two strikes, pitchers throw their best stuff. He reaches out there. He knows how to get the ball to the barrel. He is a, a just a really nice-looking hitter right now. And I, I think a great example for every one of the Orioles hitters. And, and really, a lot of those guys, Iglesias is using the whole field. So many guys having quality at bats, taking the ball the other way. We've seen the shift beaten – so many times already it makes me happy it really does let's go let's watch the infield move itself back because hitters are better they know how to put the bat on the ball and make adjustments to off-speed pitches the Orioles are doing so many good things right now I just think it's it's really encouraging do they have the talent to match up with some of the other teams maybe not but proving that a good brand of baseball can win 
is so satisfying to so many people, especially us Orioles fans. I'm just really enjoying the mentality of the team. And there were some great quotes from Orioles manager Brandon Hyde all weekend long, how the team is really playing for each other. That really, if you look at this roster, it's 30 people who have been rejected by the rest of baseball. So there's going to be an edge to it. But one thing I thought that really stood out to me, he was talking about this after Saturday's game. He says, I am not going to protect my guys anymore. I need to find out about Tanner Scott. I need to find out about what they're made of and, and Cole Solcer and sink or swim. I'm just not going to protect them anymore. And whether he truly means that he's not going to get embarrassed out there, but there's an edge to that statement. Absolutely. And I love it. Uh, and I think, you know, timing sometimes, uh, you know, can be impeccable. And I think it, this is the time to push these guys. Listen, it's either do it or, or get out of here, honestly. And that's what the major leagues is supposed to be. And I, I don't know how honest he is with that, you know, but I think these guys really personally have to take it to heart. Only I say not honest because the Orioles just don't have enough depth. You know, if a guy falters, you know, and gets sent back down, he'll probably be back just because we don't have enough, enough arms. And, and these guys are too good to not learn at the major league level. And I think this is a golden opportunity. And, and, you know, we hear that all the time, you know, that a great opportunity for everybody. It's up to them how they handle it. And you can see with this young team that some guys are, are pressing for, for these opportunities because they know that rosters are going to be cut. So every night is like a, an evaluation and a test. And it's something they're going to have to get used to because when the season comes back to normal and the Orioles become a strong team uh, organization which they're trying to do right now building through the minor leagues and there is talent laden throughout the way major leagues is supposed to be you feel threatened you feel fear that the minor league player is coming if you're in the big leagues there's another draft another group of players is coming here comes a trade oh my gosh so every day you got to prepare to be better prepare to try to win I, th I think they're all really trying to do that some of them a little harder than others they're just trying too hard and let me throw out a couple examples dj stewart cedric mullins and austin hayes three young guys that have the you know that's all we talk about look at this golden opportunity and they're given this chance and they're just trying to do it so hard and you can feel it that they're having a hard time to relax and uh they all have incredible talent talent just oozing out of them but you can tell there's the psychological mental game of baseball that every player has to deal with and somehow try to fight through and take responsibility for it and do it on their own. Cole Solcer kind of had to battle some of that after he blew the save against the Yankees last week and then Brandon Hyde sent him back out there. Uh, did you like that move and what have you seen out of a Solcer so far that's been encouraging? Yeah, I, I did. I did. Listen, Brandon, like you said, he's got to find out about these guys, a little bit of what they're made of. And I think he's found out uh, – more and then some about Salser, just the grit, the determination that he has, uh, the want to be out there and succeed. Um, I know Brandon talked about how impressed he had been just watching him on the opponent's side, you know, how aggressive he was in the zone. And that's kind of been a common message with these guys. Salser's stuff plays really well. He's got swing and miss stuff. And there are a lot of guys really that have that. But we're, you know, Brandon Hyde's trying to find that consistency. You know, guys are going to falter. There's no doubt about it. There are going to be good days and bad days. How they respond, how they get back on there. And really that's the, that's the test of the major leagues because, listen, this is a game of failure we all know that and you know 
and every night, you know, you're not going to go out there and go one for three to stay happy at, at 333. You're going to take your offers. You're going to give up your hits and home runs. You're going to walk guys. How you deal with it? And that's what Brandon Hyde is trying to find out. Who has that mental toughness, you know, that fortitude, to want the ball, to keep trying to make themselves better. And guys have been stepping up. I've been impressed with these guys really taking the responsibility. I was a little concerned, you know, with the trade of, of Blyer thinking, you know, here's a veteran guy. He, he's done things. He shows another example of how you can be successful, like Malone and LeBlanc have done the last few days, just pitching. You know, that, you know sometimes 95 works, but God dang, if you can't throw strikes, it ain't working, not here. So, um, you know, I think good messages, positive messages have been sent. I think a lot of these guys know that it, now is the time or you're not going to get many chances. And if you don't get chances, you know, if you can't, establish yourself with the Orioles it's going to be hard to do it somewhere else down the road Mike Bordick we appreciate it so much we'll see you at the ballpark this week thank you yeah absolutely thanks guys it's been fun talking Oriole baseball this week I know that yeah and time for our insider segment joining us right now is former Oriole and current broadcaster Brian Roberts Brian it's great to see you so here we are in this peculiar season with the Orioles surprising everyone coming off of a three-game sweep of the Rays can you play the underdog role and kind of keep shocking other teams right now if you're the Orioles? Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, this is this is the time to do it. To me, as a team that is supposed to not be that great going into 2020, I'm not even necessarily just talking about the Orioles. I'm talking about lots of teams out there, right? All of a sudden, there's some hope because a 60-game season is a sprint. It's not a marathon. Marathons are generally won by the people who can outlast everybody, who have more talent, maybe have more depth. A sprint is just an all-out, hey, who plays the best for 60 games? And if you can go back and look even at 2019, and you go back and look at the standings through 60 games, right? The Washington Nationals won the World Series. They were 27-33. and 33. They, weren't, they wouldn't have even made the playoffs. The St. Louis Cardinals, they were in third place in their division through 60 games, uh, and they end up winning the division. It, it, it opens up doors for all sorts of different teams through 60 games. I can remember in 2005, I mean, when I was with the Orioles playing, we were gangbusters through 60 games. Uh, Lee Mazzilli was going to be manager of the year. And by the end of August, he was fired and we were awful. So you, you never know. I mean, it's 60 games is a short time period. And the Orioles are beginning to get that snowball rolling in the right direction. It's going downhill. They're gaining confidence. These young players are having some fun. And you've got some veteran pitchers who we've seen the last couple of days who are going out, throwing strikes, making guys put the ball in play. And it's, it's resulting in Ws. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the uh, Wade LeBlanc and Tommy Malone. Um, given that we've seen so much of 95, 98-mile-an-hour fastballs just all across baseball, do you appreciate guys who pitch like they do? I appreciate them. I appreciate them when I don't have to stand in the batter's box against them because those guys I hated facing. Uh, the Jamie Moyers, you know, all of those guys that could – it, they put you in a rocking chair, right? You're forward and you're backwards. You're forward and you're backwards. You got to change up. You got a fastball. You got to cutter it on your hands. And, and it's difficult to handle, honestly, because you don't see that very often anymore. Um, we see so much of the 95, the 96, uh, throw it up in the zone, down in the zone, whatever it is. These guys are painting the black on the inside and the outside with different change of speeds. I mean, they're not even breaking 90 miles an hour uh, at all. And, it's been a lot of fun to watch them pitch. Obviously, are they the future of the Orioles? No. 
But for right now, as this stopgap and this 60-game season where the Orioles might could make something happen, I think they're perfect for the Orioles. We know the Orioles have some good minor league arms that can come up in the next year or so when, you're, when you really want to compete over the long run. But right now, I think they're great. They're throwing strikes. The Orioles are not walking guys uh, at the rate they have in the past. And they're striking out a lot more guys, believe it or not, even throwing uh, with less velocity. Uh, part of that certainly has been a bullpen that I think is much improved as well. But, yeah, I've enjoyed watching those two guys pitch so far. Brian, how would you break down the hitting approach and abilities of Hanser Alberto at the plate and what he's been able to do? Well, you know, early in 2019, I was calling a game against the Yankees, and he came off of the bench to pinch hit. He wasn't playing all the time at that point. And he comes in to face Zach Britton. And Zach Britton, obviously, one of the nastiest relievers in baseball. We've seen him for years. Um, and that sinker is almost unhittable. He comes in, he fouls off a bunch of pitches, and you could see the entire time he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He was trying to shoot a ball to right field because he knew if he tried to pull it, you're going to hit a ground ball to shortstop or third base. And eventually he pounds a single to right field. At that point, I thought, man, this guy's approach, he has a plan at the plate every single at-bat. And I think that's what's making him so good over the course of 19 where he hit 305 and kind of shocked everybody to right now he's willing to take chances when he gets in hitters counts to, to hurt you with a double or a homer, which we saw the other night. But then last night, Chaz Rowe comes in and all, all you're going to get is sliders. He's going to throw 80% sliders. So what does he do? He looks for a slider out over the plate and he hits a bullet down the right field line to give the Orioles a two to one lead. The guy's approach is it's flawless almost every at bat because he has a plan and I absolutely love watching him hit. Rio Ruiz, you were in spring training. You saw him do really well there. How has he carried that over into the season? Yeah, I, I think Rio's made some real good adjustments. Um, last year, you know, he, 230 with 12 homers, 682 OPS at third base. We kind of all know that eventually that just doesn't play. And I love Rio, and he's been a good defender. But he knew he had to make some changes. He knew that if I'm going to keep myself in the big leagues, I got to start hitting for some power, and I got to drive the baseball. So, of course, there's been a lot of talk about the weight he put on, the strength he put on, which is a huge benefit. But I think he's made some really good swing adjustments. And I think as much as anything, he's being aggressive. He wants to go up there and do damage, you know. And as a young guy, sometimes you get in that defensive mode. I think we saw that a little bit, especially early in 19. And then he got sent down. Right now, he is not defensive at all. He is going up there hunting his pitch early in the count. And he's doing some damage with it. Obviously, three homers are ready. I hated to see that he couldn't play with the shoulder, but I don't think it'll take long for him to get back. It doesn't sound like uh, he is a guy that if he can add some thump to the middle of that lineup, this lineup just continues to get a little bit deeper. Um, and, and they're scoring runs at over five a game right now. And that's a good recipe for success. Uh, last one, Brian, a question about Brandon Hyde. And you played for a lot of managers, unfortunately, in some ways, but I can just sense that he has a little more confidence this year. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, whether it's confidence in his decision-making. I, I know that even for a manager, the game can go really fast and quick. It seems like it's maybe slowed down a little bit for him, but you can see they're playing hard for each other. They're playing hard for him. And it, it seems to be uh, just this energy. You can almost sense it even with his uh, daily media meetings that he didn't have last year. Have you seen that kind of play out before where a manager year two – uh, kind of understands more what's going on. And not that he, listen, he was dealt a, a team that was a roster that wasn't very good last year. Everyone knew that. But, and he has a, you know, a lot of respect around the game. But it just seems like um, 
he he really has an idea and they're they're taking to it yeah uh I, i've loved brandon's approach from day one honestly even last year i thought he brought up a lot of energy and a lot of excitement to the to the team to the organization um but i can only relate it essentially to being a rookie as a player and the game gets going fast and all of a sudden it's going and going and you have you're like wait a minute where did my four at bats go i'm 0 for four and i don't have a clue what happened you know i swung at the first pitch twice and then i was 0-2 the next two at bats and i punched out and that's kind of maybe what a little bit of what he felt last year in some ways. I think he would probably even tell you, like, it was harder than I thought is kind of what he said to me even at one point last year. Not the fact that he felt like he was overwhelmed or overmatched or anything. It's just, as you mentioned, for one, it was a bad team. So uh, it's hard to make a lot of decisions when you're down nine to three in the third, you know, 60% of the games. Right. Now you're able to see him start to make some of those decisions that he wants to make. You know, when you've got a team ERA under four, if you take out the first game of the year where they gave up 13, you know, they're at 3.93 with right now as a pitching staff. Now you could actually begin to make some decisions that change games. Uh, when your ERA is five and a half, there's not a lot of decisions you can make, you know. So, so yeah, I think that the decision-making comes with being in more games and having those opportunities. But when you just talk about the general atmosphere of the team, I think he's done a phenomenal job. His energy is great. I think having a young manager is good for young players. I know I came in as a rookie and I had Mike Hargrove, and it's not a knock against Mike Hargrove, but he was an older veteran manager who liked older veteran players. I don't think Brandon Hyde has any problem with playing young guys. I think he loves their energy and their enthusiasm. It's just now he's figuring out how to get them out there and, and let them succeed too, and I think he's the perfect guy for it. Brian Roberts for our insider segment. Thank you so much, B-Rob. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, there you have it. Mike Bordick and then Brian Roberts. And uh, I guess we go to the uh, uncharted part of the schedule, Jeff Arnold. I guess we've already been there a little bit, but listen, as long as there's baseball, I'm not going to complain. We'll see what this week brings, though, for the Orioles. Yeah, I think we've already put the anchor down in uncharted waters with the Yankees series being moved to last week to take on the Miami Marlins. And as we tape this, we're still waiting to hear about the game times for the upcoming Marlins series. Orioles supposed to play four games over the course of three days. We have learned uh, not only from uh, the way that the schedules work, but from some of our own personal experiences in the in the day in and day out of this, that nothing is how it seems. Uh, nothing works how it normally does in this type of year. And you roll with the punches and the teams that are able to do that most effectively and stay the healthiest are probably the teams that are going to have the best chance at winning a World Series. I think that is true. You're looking at the standings right now. The teams you expected to be good, the Dodgers and Yankees and teams like that, the Cubs, they're doing great. But you're going to see in the larger picture of contenders, teams that you just fundamentally do not expect to be there. And perhaps the Orioles could be one of those teams. And it's nice to dream. And in every game right now, uh, there's that heightened sense of urgency. And I feel that from the players, even without fans in the stands, that they are highly competitive games and they've been a lot of fun to watch around baseball. So that does it for this edition of Inside the Yard. We're back in a few days. Thank you so much for being with us. And we'll talk to you from the yard in the coming days on Masson and the Orioles Radio Network. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Be safe. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 